Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... Andrea Gazetta! Yay! Yay! And we have an amazing episode for you this week. Paige talks about one of the funniest fucking stories I've ever heard. I love it so much. You learn a lot of uh, history, you learn a lot about a weird guy, and you learn about one of the best foods in the world and where it, pardon the pun, comes from. (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, You're going to learn a lot about bread. It's great. I I was really in my element for this one. (laughs) And your element is bread. Uh, But before we begin, we have some news and reviews. Wait, did we get another racist against white people one? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, we did. did. Here, I'm going to read that one as the review. That's my favorite one. (laughs) Yes, yes. I read that and laughed my ass off. All right. So much fun. So this review, this one-star review comes to us from Jesse016, and they say, Bunch of liberals. Why is every single podcast become an anti-Trump, conservative, hating hour? I'm so sick of it. Stick to talking about co- <laughs> I'm sorry. Stick to talking about cults and leave out the politics. Also, the forced obnoxious laughing is so hard to listen to. It's actually cringeworthy. Ugh. Here's what I think is funny about that review is it's like becoming anti-Trump. I was like, bitch, you ain't listened. <laughs> Yeah, I've been. We've been anti-Trump from the fucking beginning. Yeah, not a fan. Literally from the jump. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that was such a dumb review. I, I, you know what? It's fine if if you if it. Yeah, I don't know. We I, also have a good review though. Yeah, we do have a good review. Let's let's read a good review uh, to uh, to to get that out of our system. This one comes to us from Jay Boero, and they say Biggie Cheese. Biggie Cheese is a legend, and that's the whole review. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't. That's re- the most on-brand interview. That's the most. That's the most on-brand review we've ever gotten. That's so great. So those are two very different reviews. I assume one is just a block of cheese that's become sentient. Well, that's my favorite was somebody posted a meme in the Facebook group where it's a bat and it's like cheddar, bigger cheddar cheese, white cheddar cheese. And then right below it is uh, a tweet that just says, what the fuck are you even saying? And it's like one of my favorite memes. <laughs> it's, it's so, so, so funny. Oh, my God. Oh my we God. also have a Patreon um, which you can find at patreon.com slash cult podcast. For just $5 a month, you get access to our bonus show, The Speculation Zone. We have a, an episode coming up this week on the birth of LSD. I cannot wait. Wow. I'm so excited to record this. Yeah, it's very fun. Uh, we have yet to record it, but we are about to. <laughs> yeah, right after this. Um, but I guess without any further ado, let's get into the show. Hello. Hello. <laughs> you know, if you sit on your left graham cracker, it's like it's a stranger, dude. <laughs> Don't drink the Kool-Aid. 
For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm. Organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership. Organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always, these are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have Andrea Gazetta! Yay! And it's my week! We're all back. We're all here. Get it, we girl. Did it. <laughs> I made it. <laughs> I uh I survived the the treacherous swamps of um uh San Diego. Oceanside? Oh, yeah. Oceanside <laughs> San Diego? Ocean Swamp? The Ocean Swamp. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I uh mm-hmm. I beat up a shark. Um me and the shark became friends. Um, then he turned into a tornado. It was like a whole thing. Yeah, I did give birth to Sharknado. Um, what else did I do? Um, I, oh, made love to the shark, obviously. Um, <laughs> and then I ate the shark. Went to a sushi restaurant. Had <laughs> oh a taco roll. T A K O. This relationship is toxic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, back. Back from the depths. Feels good. This is good. I'm glad to have you back. Not that I didn't have fun last week, but I'm glad to have you back. Are you oh, yeah. ready to dive into this cult? <laughs> <laughs> this cult has nothing to do with oceans. <laughs> um, I submarine submarine it. <laughs> Sorry. I'm going back. We're on a vacation. little rusty, but I'll it's okay. Guys, I'm using sick time. <laughs> Right, Sick. We don't have paid time off. <laughs> um, I'm really actually excited to do this one and and the next one. It's like a, it's kind of a two part series. It's two separate groups, but they are linked together. So like, it'll make sense. Um, but I have suggested this group for the past two live shows. And we've chosen to go in a different direction both times. And now that I dove into it to do these two episodes, I'm kind of glad that we didn't because it would definitely take two episodes to do it justice. And at a live show, we don't really have that luxury. Uh, but I'm excited to dive in. Are you guys ready? Yeah. I am ready. I, although I do like the thought of us doing a live show and just being like, lock the doors, fuckers. You're here for two days. <laughs> this is going to take five hours and you're just going to have to deal with it. Hope you brought your cult podcast brand tense, motherfucker. Hope you brought your cult podcast bedpans, motherfucker. Because <laughs> we are be- not leaving for bathroom breaks. We'll be passing out cult podcast brand catheters at the door. Uh, do with them as you will. Uh, VIP so tickets include usage of our outhouse. <laughs> oh, which it's is just, just one a of our apartments. <laughs> be sure to scream, oh yeah, when you flush. Um, <laughs> now, 
I have to do something a little bit interesting with this episode, which I was very excited for, and I feel like it's perfect timing. In order for the belief system of this person to make sense, we have to have a complex and in-depth understanding of bread. Are we covering gluten Jesus? Jesus crust, if you will? (laughs) Basically. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of. Um, Rather, we are covering Sylvester Graham. Did he found Panera? Is that? No. No. (laughs) Oh, no. Do you you not know? (laughs) Because if you don't, I'm not going to tell you exactly what happened, and we'll just let you find out. It'll be great. Oh, I cannot wait. He's okay. like uh he's like Sylvester Stallone if instead of uh uh beating up other boxers it was uh beating up the thought of masturbation. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. What? Yes. And a lot of other things. It's I had always heard about the masturbation part which we'll cover a lot more next week when we cover <laughs> one of his partners. Um Nice. But not sexual partners. That's That'll make sense later. Anyway, so um, I thought this was going to be more the masturbation heavy episode. And it turns out this is much more a bread heavy episode, (laughs) Uh, which I was. I mean, if you had to pick episodes on two topics that are perfect for quarantine, bread, sourdough bread specifically and masturbation have got to be it. That's got to be like the top of the like, yes, most, most, (laughs) most relevant. They're yeah. they're go- they're going hand in hand, almost literally. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, hand in oven, if you want to yes. think of it that way. Exactly. So... If you put these two episodes together, you basically get the game Soggy Waffle. That's that's oh. pretty much. Thanks, oh. I hate it. Oh. Sour, yeah, don't do it. that again. Sour, the only don't. the only person that would hate that more than we just did is the guy running this group. Yes, he would hate it. So let's get into our sources. There are a lot of sources for this episode. Number one, uh, an actual lecture, and it's called The Rise and Fall of Sourdough, 6,000 Years of Bread by Professor (laughs) Eric Pallant, speaking at Gresham College. Um, We've got The Clean Living Movements, American Cycles of Health Reform by Dr. Ruth Clifford Engs. And then we've got an article from The Atlantic uh, that is titled, Looking to Quell Sexual Urges? Consider the, and I'm just going to say insert food here so Andrea can find out later, but you guys will get it. Uh, We also have Britannica articles on Sylvester Graham, the New England Historical Society.com on Sylvester Graham. Uh, That article, (laughs) did you? Okay, so Looking to Quell Sexual Urges? Consider the Graham Cracker. Um, the title of the article from the New England Historical Society is just Sylvester Graham Health Food Nut Makes Butchers and Bakers Go Crackers, (laughs) 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 which is so dumb and I love it. Well, he's certainly not making them go nuts. Oh my God. No, exactly. (laughs) Uh, then we've got- Has anyone pointed out that he himself is a Graham Cracker? (laughs) Um, I will. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he is yeah um 
<laughs> then we've got Eros and Modernization, Sylvester Graham, Health Reform and the Origins of Victorian Sexuality in America by Jamie A. Sokolow. Uh, then we've got a treatise on bread and bread making by Sylvester Graham himself. Uh, we have Vegetarian America, A History by Karen Iacobo. Then we have Sylvester Graham and the Popular Health Movement, 1830 to 1870, by Shryock, uh, Richard H. Shryock. And then we have the Mississippi Valley Historical Review. Uh, we then have, finally, We Did What? Offensive and Inappropriate Behavior in American History by Timothy B.J. Are you guys ready? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. His name is B.J.? Timothy B.J.? That's Timothy not- B.J. <laughs> oh, you poor bastard. <laughs> he could have just not included the B. It's a middle name. Yeah. But he was like, God damn it, I have to be proud of who I am. I'm yeah. Timothy Blowjob J. <laughs> Wouldn't it be hilarious if it was Timothy Buttstuff Jay? I just know, like the I, one that you don't expect. I was just he, he picked the lesser of two buttstuffs. <laughs> right, right, right. So let's dive into a history of bread. And I promise this will be very important as we get to later in the episode. So back in the day, humans were primarily hunters and gatherers and their primary nutrition was meat or whatever vegetables they could find that were already grown. And a lot of that hunting was considered men's work um, because heteronormative bullshit, whatever. Uh, women were, were considered the gatherers and they were responsible for gathering seeds to eat, not necessarily to cultivate, but it was difficult to find out which seeds they could eat safely or would even taste good or would break their teeth or get stuck between their teeth and cause them to like spend $2,000 at an expensive dentist in Beverly Hills. Like, you know, <laughs> it's tough work. Evolution, um, whatevs. Yeah, whatevs. I keep breaking but- my teeth on these seeds. Marilyn, those are rocks. I'm not going to tell you again. <laughs> Marilyn, stop chewing crack. Uh, <laughs> they're rocks. Um Now, the invention of cultivation and agriculture happens gradually as humans kind of start to observe natural growing cycles and try to replicate them with seeds. Um, But it's something that seems to happen universally across the Mesopotamian Fertile Crescent. Uh, In that area, archaeologists have found pea, lentil, and chickpea seeds, so uh, as well as something called goat grass, which they think is an early precursor to wheat. Um, but as Did you humans say wheat begin- or weed, we wheat. Oh, okay. <laughs> there's no wheat in this episode. Oh, None at all. I know. But for a second, I was like, damn, I really want to smoke some goat grass. <laughs> Dude, this if thing got me high as miles. <laughs> Dude, I got so high last night, I chewed through cans. Like four <laughs> different cans. Exactly. Oh, my God. I'm going to cultivate my own strain of marijuana and call it <laughs> goat call grass. Just goat grass. <laughs> goat grass OG. So That's for as people humans- that need to increase their hunger, right? Mm-hmm. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It also stops I- you from jerking it. <laughs> <laughs> because you're just too busy 
just mainlining cans <laughs> and f- and pretending to be dead when something scares you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's and actually how I get out of- off your friends. <laughs> this does sound like goats just sound high as fuck. Now that we lay it all out, <laughs> they just got hella munchies and are super paranoid. Yes. <laughs> So humans at this point begin to cultivate different varietals by controlling the seeds and cross-pollinating. So basically, the more they grow things, the better they get, the more they develop stronger strains. And this is where we start to see what we would come to know as modern wheat. Um, But bread still didn't exist yet. Most of these kind of wheat varietals they would use for porridge, kind of like a quinoa bowl or like a... Yeah, like a hot cereal bowl. In some places, they had oatmeal because they had oats at this time. Um, The first bread recipes that we know of come from ancient Egypt. And some of these breads have actually survived in the tombs. We also see depictions of them growing and harvesting wheat. So we know that they had essentially the precursor to modern bread. Um... And it was so close, except all of their loaves were pyramids. And we were like, how did they do that? How do do we put this into slices? (laughs) This sandwich is too pointy. It's obviously aliens. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Aliens just gave them bread. They were just like, guys, I'm just trying to get a fucking human bladder sandwich or whatever aliens eat. (laughs) Can't get good bread anywhere. Uh, Now, it's suspected that the first wild yeast essentially starter, what we would think of as a starter or a leaven or a levant, depending on where you are in the world, uh, was discovered in a bowl of porridge that sat out and then oh, got no. baked. Yeast's gone wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Show us your crust. Uh. <laughs> Wow, it's it's rising. That's upsetting. That's some sexual bread. <laughs> um, they've also found ceramic cones that they used mm. to bake bread in, but this was kind of more of what we would think of as like a flat bread where they'd be cooking it on the side, kind of like Indian clay ovens today. Um, Don't that's also body shame the bread page. Somebody... <laughs> It's just because it's flat doesn't mean it's unlikable. Somebody well, loves that bread. It is a side piece. We've already established. So, <laughs> you know. Um, but this is why we get a lot of flat bread from that region, mm. basically from the Mediterranean and that kind of area. Um, now, bread. all of this bread, both sourdough that we know today, but also flat breads then, they have four ingredients. So, wheat flour. Uh, or in, depending on where you are in the world, rye flour, oat flour, it changes where you go. But flour, water, salt, and a leavening agent. In this case, wild yeast. So the problem with wild yeast is, and as many of you who've probably tried to make sourdough in the last couple months, you know that wild yeast is a fickle bitch and she will not be conquered. And it is a problem. Uh, so that's partially why we don't see a ton of risen bread at this time. They hadn't quite figured out what exactly they were doing, although they do gradually move towards actual bread loaves. Later in this timeline, we actually see it in some of their art. 
Um, I like I like that we've basically Andrea on accident exactly summed up what wild yeast is of just like no I don't want to do it I don't want to rise I don't care you guys yeah. go on without me no I'm staying here at the Airbnb mm. yes exactly and that then is every exactly once in a while the top comes off yeah. <laughs> 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 Woo! we're rising up out of here. <laughs> I'll only let my shirt rise if you give me free beer. Yes. <laughs> um, only on Mardi Gras. Only on Mardi Gras. Now, the next civilization to really nail bread were the Romans. Um, the first garlic knots were made in 576 BC. I'm I'm kidding. That's not real. That's, oh, to- damn. that's totally fake. I, was like, <laughs> I, I thought that Romans would be an obvious so fake. And then I like I watched your face and you were like, ah. Oh. I was like, I was, no. I was so enthralled. I was like, wow, I had no idea that Blaze Pizza had such a long tradition <laughs> from the ancient Romans. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Was, no. I was like, they uh, did so they much did other bread. stuff. I figured maybe garlic. I mean, it's the easiest thing. It's garlic and, and knots. That's it. <laughs> Those are the two ingredients. Well, knots actually weren't <laughs> invented until 420 BC. Oh, okay. oh that makes yeah. so much mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Um, but this is where we start seeing slightly higher leavening. This is where we start to see what become traditional Italian artisan bread. Um, now, as a means of controlling their empire, Rome actually had a kind of unique belief at the time where they believed that one of the ways to keep their empire peaceful was to make sure that they could meet the needs of all the people in their empire as much as possible. <laughs> wow, what a weird concept. I know. It's so crazy. I can't believe no one's done it since. Um, but they used to they used to provide 75 pounds of wheat to each family per month for bread rations. Now, you would then have to go take that wheat to a miller and have them mill it into flour, and then you would bake it. Um, But that basically ensured that at the very least, you had bread. And a Roman poet, Juvenal, actually said about this, give them bread and circuses, and they will never revolt. And they don't... I realize that I'm about to have to explain this. By circuses, they meant like full-blown executions and gladiators. Yeah. Murder. They okay. meant murder. <laughs> yeah, Mostly they murder. murder. They didn't mean like they a merry-go-round. <laughs> <laughs> like somebody do, does a little flip and they're like, oh, oh I'm going to stay here for just one more year. That's pretty good. Yeah, it wasn't Cirque I mean, de Soleil. It was human yeah. and animal cruelty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say, they gave us bread and also French acrobats and like, hey. <laughs> exactly. I mean, if a bear ripped a man's head off, you'd be entertained. I mean, I we'd do, just be sadder now. It de- depends love- on the man and the bear. <laughs> I do love that they're basically just doing stimulus checks on a slice of bread. Just like, all right, here you go. That's yours. Now get, the, yeah. get out of here. Well, actually, the- one year they did have a revolt because they didn't send the bread out because the Caesar had to sign it. Oh, yeah. He had to sign every <laughs> loaf of bread he sent out. I think of this as like, this is the equivalent of if once a month, just a case of ramen landed on your front porch. <laughs> We're I just mean, like, you could survive on this. It's not nutritional. It's not great, but, but you won't die. Yeah. This does explain Lil Caesar's business plan, though. 
Oh yeah, that's why it's only five dollars. Yeah, like looking off rations. A lot of people don't know this, but in the back, they're also just straight up executing people. It's a total circus back with there. bears. Yeah, yeah, it's insane. It wasn't hot and ready, Becky. <laughs> Meet the slicer, and it's just a giant rolling pizza slicer that they behead people with. Hot and ready is what they great. called me in high school. Am I right, ladies? <laughs> hey, oh, it was not. I was very celibate. They called me crazy bread. <laughs> they called no. me marinara sauce. I don't know what it means either. Can someone explain it? <laughs> you gotta believe it. Jesus. Now, as Romans conquered most of the known world at the time, they also spread the good news of bread all over and planted wheat almost everywhere that they went. So now wheat became a more widespread crop and they could more gradually spread those bread rations. That's kind of the reason it happened. But as Rome started to fall, those rations went away. And oh, no. plants, much like wild yeast, are fickle bitches. And that's why I don't have any cucumbers because my plants... <laughs> They just keep shriveling on the vine. I've been hand pollinating them. It's a thing. But it's like plants are like that one thing. Uh, sorry. Plants are like that, that 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 saying when they talk about like ghosts, like you can't want it too much. Like they yes. can sense yeah. how much it's you like want it them knows. to grow. Yeah. It knows. It's, it's like, like I know you already bought jars to make pickles, but fuck you, Paige. Shrivel. Yeah, it's kind of like if you bought a house after your first Tinder date with someone. They get the message and they're like, I gotta go. <laughs> they want Bye. it too much. Yeah. Have you tried eating other cucumbers in front of the cucumbers to make it jealous? <laughs> now, right around this time, as the Roman Empire was kind of starting to decline, that's when Jesus comes around. Jesus uh, crust. Kind of towards the end. Jesus crust. And right. and Jesus crust. Our Lord uh, and appetizer. <laughs> yeah. He will rise uh, again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but bread is weirdly important in the Bible. Um, yeah. Lots of wheat metaphors. Jesus loves carbs. Uh, and <laughs> at this point... We have the one miracle that's a constant across all four of the Gospels, and that's his uh, miracle of multiplying loaves and fish. Which is um, really upsetting because he has way too good of abs for anyone that was that into bread. Well, believe it or not, at this time, bread was almost 80% of people's diets. Wow. So e everyone was eat into bread. I'll explain how it's a little bit different later on. It'll make a little more sense, but... Um, yeah, so he now something that one of the lectures I watched touched on was multiplying bread is something that their audience would have been innately familiar with because they're all baking bread from a starter, which works that way where you duplicate it and feed it and it becomes more and grows and it is kind of an infinite resource in a weird way. Um, there's also... The section at the Last Supper where Jesus compares himself to bread of like, this is my body, which is given unto you. Do this in remembrance of me. This might have been a coincidence, but it also may have been Jesus doing what Jesus kind of does best, which is making comparisons and metaphors 
that relate to the people directly around him. Their context for bread is based in the idea of a sourdough starter, something that would replicate and be spread amongst a community and that can far outlive generations if cared for correctly. So effectively it'd be eternal barring anything like mold or drastic temperature changes like the city of los angeles starters can live forever (laughs) i've never seen it with my own eyes uh i've definitely lost one because the house is too hot but you know in theory they could be shared person to person forever um jesus also tends to compare himself to wine which is another fermented transformative food I just think it's kind of interesting to note that he touches on things that everything everyone would have been familiar with and the processes they would have been familiar with. Uh, even going so far as to say in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger. So, yeah. Well, he, definitely, he definitely learned from his mistakes because in the beginning he was like, I am like a bell pepper. And everyone was like, ew, <laughs> Jesus, ew. <laughs> no. I was going to say, I am like day old shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, ew, man, ew. ew no. Yeah, it was like the bread was like, bread and wine was like a sixth try or whatever. <laughs> what I've taken from this conversation is that Jesus endorses basement wine. <laughs> if you remember, Andrea, he created wine at a wedding for somebody who ran out of wine. So. Uh, if there's one thing we know absolutely for sure is that Jesus did do small batch DIY wine. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to end up making Andrea's art arts urinal wine and, and selling it someday. Like it's going to be <laughs> It's going to taste like candy. That's it. Because that's the only wine I will drink. No sulfites, high alcohol content. Let's oh, go, baby. God, so much sugar. <laughs> This is why I stopped drinking. (laughs) It's a lot. Um, Now, after the Roman Empire falls in the Dark Ages and the Middle Ages, uh, bread is still a staple, but it's not growing as well. Um, With the world destabilized, each of Rome's former kingdoms are forced to harvest their own wheat in a feudal system. What that means is you've got one landowner controlling all the wheat, making the poor people harvest all the wheat, and then give it to the landowner who then redisperses it out as like rations for their people. Or the serfs would basically have whatever was left over. The Middle Ages fucking suck. Like just across the board. It's like 2020. It's real shitty. There's like constant plagues, flying sex snakes, just like anything you could think of to make things bad they had their crops yeah, they, were constantly dying they had yeah. murder hornets um <laughs> they had rabid squirrels yeah oh my god we i went on a hike the other day and uh and meant mount uh ugh. i went hiking at mount palomar a few days ago and they just have a bunch of signs that just go warning squirrels have the plague oh fuck yeah it's just fucking hella dark and it's just like don't bring your dog or else they'll get the bubonic plague and it's just like wow man 2020 (laughs) has everything murder hornets (laughs) bubonic plague a president who just lets people go fucking free um jesus i i read a thing about the bubonic plague the other day and a friend who is a doctor was like Hey, by the way, we have medicine for this now. 
And I was like, oh, so we shouldn't freak out? And she was like, no. And I was like, oh, great. Thank you. <laughs> like, cool. You should be putting that medicine better. into nuts, apparently. Just throwing it all over <laughs> fucking San Diego. They just got fucking surf-ass squirrels running around dying of the plague. Wait, which nut? The peanut or the cum nut? Fuck both. I don't know what squirrels like. I'm not going to presume to know what squirrels like. Sucking that dick is what they like. And it was so bubonic dick. They had everything. They had one account had like giant golf ball size hail that ruined their crops, and I was like, oh I shouldn't God. be laughing at you, but this is great. <laughs> um, the other thing that was kind of a problem was that they had instituted a system of communal milling and communal ovens. The average person at that point very rarely had an oven in their own home. Most of the time, they didn't have the means to keep a fire going that long. Um, yeah. And if they did, they very rarely had a clean area or a large enough fire to bake bread on. Um, so what they would do is they would get their, basically their wheat, they would then take it to the miller who would mill it into flour at a very high price and pay taxes on that to the Lord. And then they would take that flour, take it home, mix it with their starter, make a dough, rush that over to the communal ovens before it fell, and then have the person, the baker at the communal ovens, bake the bread, which they then would also have to pay for and then pay taxes on to the Lord. So it was just this kind of perpetuating poverty, which was terrible. And this doesn't super change really until the 1730s. Uh, bread is still largely controlled by the aristocracy. It's become a little more commercial in that as opposed to only having communal ovens, there are now bakers and you would then take your bread to the baker who would also sell bread for people who weren't baking their own. And that would all be taxed by the crown. But the French Revolution changed a lot of that. This is the time when Marie Antoinette is accused of saying, if the people have no bread, let them eat cake. Um, she probably didn't. Most historical sources say that she didn't say that. Uh, but regardless, hey, the Paige? price of bread becomes too high. What? And that caused a riot, which essentially caused them to kill Marie Antoinette and her husband. And they would derogatorily refer to them as the baker and the baker's wife because oh. this was the crux of their argument. Um, this is not the only time in which the seizing the means of bread production becomes a point of contention. Um, but this is kind of the beginning in Europe of a shift in how bread is made and who is making the bread. Now, this had already changed in what would become the United States because colonizers needed to survive and the only way to do that was to bake your own bread. But also, crops are different. So this is where we start to get variants like cornbread and things like that. But back in Europe, we start to discover what yeast actually is. Oh. Um, yeah. Science. Um, it's still probably another 200 years or so before we actually figure out that it's alive and why it works. Um, but in the 1700s, and this name, I will, it's von Leeuwenhoek, and I am butchering it. I'm 100% sure that I'm saying it wrong, and I'm very sorry. Uh, Leeuwenhoek. Who knows? 
Um, the 1800s kicks off the Industrial Revolution, where mass production becomes the law of the land. You've got a bunch of different people working in factories, living on top of each other, and they need food, and they need it fast. And most of them don't have time to bake bread at home, even though they likely have ovens or have access to ovens. Right. That's how you get McDonald's. Yeah. Exactly. This is back when they were making bread out of metal because they were like, it's just faster. It's industrial. Just put it in your mouth and eat it. I know. I know that you're joking, but that's going to come into play (laughs) in a little bit. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Um, Everything was starting to be mass produced, and that included food and specifically bread. Did they this call the it Advent? I'm sorry, really quick. Did they call it multi-pane bread? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, but this is the advent of what's called the continuous oven, and it's a factory baking system. It's that thing that has the conveyor belt on it, so the bread just kind of goes through it and bakes, and by the time it gets out to the other side, it's baked. Mm. Um, one of the first companies to use this was called the Aerated Bread Company, and they managed to create a machine to make bread without yeast so it didn't need the rising time and it didn't need the fickleness of wild yeast by pressurizing and jet puffing it so it was yeast free but it tasted terrible so they had to start adding things to flavor it For example, today's Wonder Bread is made in kind of a very similar way, although it does contain some yeast and leavening, uh, but it has 40 ingredients instead of the normal four ingredients for bread. So 10 times the ingredients, 10 times the flavor. Yeah, not so much. But regardless, at this point, no one makes bread at home anymore. The idea of artisan bread or bread baked at home loses popularity because no one has time and yeast becomes commercialized. Companies figure out how to produce a yeast that is shelf stable and not required to live in an environment like a sourdough starter. And all of this influence into the general populace, all of this advancement in the Industrial Revolution, kicks off the group that we are talking about today. Oh, my God. <laughs> you just so took I us realize- through the whole history of bread to get to this cult. I know, but it's going to be important. So Sylvester Graham was born in 1794 in Suffield, Connecticut. He was born into a family with 17 children. Damn. His, yikes. Yeah. That's a baker's His, dozen of children. That's I think. more than a baker's <laughs> it's dozen. It's way of more children. than a baker's I don't dozen. Know, I don't know how a baker's dozen it's works. It's 13. It's 13. I thought a baker's it's, dozen, honestly, when, okay, the first time I got a baker's dozen, they put 13. So in my brain, I was like, oh, a baker's dozen is just whatever they want it to be. It's just, <laughs> no, it's one extra. Yes. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is a baker's it's, dozen and some change, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Now, his father allegedly was 70 years old when he was born. Some reports say 72. Oh, God. But he's at least 70 years old when he's born. Uh, Either way, it's fucking old. And his father dies when he's two years old. His mother is mentally ill. We do not know what kind. We have no other description. Uh, To be honest, 
it's 1794 and her illness may have just been being a woman with 17 fucking children. Well, so, that poor woman. I mean, I know the problem, too, is like when he was first born, they just called him crueler. <laughs> because he was part of the baker's dozen. Yeah, those are the little extras. That's what you get after your baker's dozen. <laughs> yeah, his his sister Bearclaw really got the short end of that stick. <laughs> so, because <laughs> she really took the right to bear arms too far. <laughs> because his father died when he was so young and his mother was considered unfit to raise him, he spent most of his childhood moving from one relative's home to another. When you got 17 siblings, there's a lot of homes to go around. So one source mentioned that one of his relatives ran a tavern where he was put to work. Uh, he also worked as a cleaner and a farmhand at a certain point. Um, but the tavern gets mentioned because he cites it as an experience with drunkenness that led him to hate alcohol his whole life. Um, <laughs> but in reality... Everyone was starting to avoid booze. Yeast's association with beer is part of what led many bread manufacturers to use yeast alternatives for their mass-produced bread. Because this time period had a very, very successful temperance movement. And we'll get to that a little bit later. But the idea of associating things with alcohol is not very popular once Graham becomes an adult. Um, so I think he might be saying this in speeches and things to give off this idea of like, oh, I've hated alcohol this whole time. Yeah, actually, I hated alcohol before everyone hated alcohol. I'm really the hipster right. of the alcohol hatred. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You guys don't even know hating alcohol. Like name three of its songs. <laughs> <laughs> There's uh, Little John's Don't Take Shots. Um <laughs> Uh, there's blame it on the alcohol. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. well, no, that one's so we didn't change that one at all. That no. one's still, mm -mm. Mm -mm. uh, by all reports, he was a pretty sickly child, which made him a really shitty farmhand or tavern worker or cleaner because he just wasn't very strong. And because science is bad at the time, uh, there's probably a good reason why he was sickly. They just didn't realize it because being the 17th child means his mother was likely older and I don't mean older older she could have been as young as 11 to 13 years old when she started having children oh god it's the olden days uh, but if she had had a child once a year for 17 years that would put her at 30 advanced age for mothers at the time not currently but back then with their medical science advanced age god she's um, having babies like little wayne drops albums that can't be good for you no. well it wasn't good for be, little wayne to be honest that would have made her extremely lucky and unusually fertile for the time yeah. remember that most families at this time lost a significant amount of children so we know of 17 that survived long enough to be counted or died during childbirth 
or died during childbirth where they actually were like born they didn't they survived the pregnancy let's put it that yeah. way I, this is um, this is a small tangent or an aside um but i thought you guys would appreciate this when i was a kid uh in school they tried to teach us about how sometimes uh you know in the olden days you, they would lose children but they would always use that wording they would lose children and i for years i thought they literally <laughs> were just what they just wander off? Where's Gary? <laughs> I oh no! It's the bears. I told you about the bears. I what? told you he was right here. Why do I keep losing them? Ollie, Ollie, uh, oxen free, and then they just wouldn't come home. It took a while for me to grasp it. I'm not a smart kid. <laughs> uh, I will say, given the fact that likely she lost a few in there that we don't know about, and it's difficult to repeatedly get pregnant like that healthily at this time I think it took longer so I would say that she's probably closer to 40 or older when she has Sylvester which by today's standards is possible but without modern medicine and good prenatal care it risks a whole host of birth defects at this time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Especially given the fact that his father was definitely of advanced age by the time he was conceived and born. Because if he was 70 when he was born, that means he was easily 69. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, when he was conceived. So it's very likely that Sylvester had some existing health conditions as a byproduct of his birth, I would say. Uh, but no one would recognize that that is what it's from. Everyone's going to give it a million different reasons. Nobody's going to be like, hey, maybe ladies shouldn't have 17 children. Maybe that's not great for everybody. <laughs> this one has um, a mental illness. Put her away. She's saying women shouldn't have tons of babies. To be honest, her not wanting to have more kids could have definitely been the mental illness that they were accusing yeah, her of. Yeah, that's kind yeah. of what I'm considering. I mean, it's hard to be optimistic, but you could try to see the quiver half full. Yeah. It was now, pretty regard, full. Yeah, it was pretty yeah. fucking full. Jesus Christ. I'm not, I know I'm making well, jokes, but like that's so many kids. I want to also, I mean, think about the Duggar family, who has, I think, 21 children at this point. Damn. I, I could be wrong. It might be 19, and I'm just crazy. But the last child that they've had had pretty severe complications, and in large part because she is older. She's in her 40s. That's Your, your body is starting to transition out of that phase of life, and even modern medicine cannot stop time sometimes um so it's dangerous at this time particularly in the 1700s to have that many children and to have them older she was definitely at risk for dying in childbirth and her children were definitely at risk for having defects so there you go uh, i think that's probably what happened but either way as sylvester got older he began to believe that the only cure for his poor health was God. So he decided to go into ministry and he entered a preparatory school at Amherst Academy in his 20s to become a minister. His father and grandfather had both been ministers. He felt like he was called to it. And he did have a gift for public speaking. People did remark that about him, that okay. he was interesting to listen to. He kept people engaged. 
you know, like every single other person we cover on this show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, one source says that he was expelled from the academy when his schoolmates claimed he had improperly approached a woman. Oh. But that's the only information we have about it. We don't have any other details. We do know he was expelled, but we don't know anything what, else. What is that? And I like. What he, does that mean? Well, well, he grabbed her that's ankles. What I, <laughs> Grab her by the shins. Um, I like to think that he just walked up and was like, "Hey, girl, I want to wreck that puss with seventeen kids." Where he's just oh like, my! Now, here's the other thing too. He gets very stringent about sex later in life, uh, to the point where he could be one of those dudes that's like. Me think thou dost protest too much. Yeah. And you're just like, sex is bad. But then you've got like four different sex workers coming to your hotel room at the Republican National Convention. Um, <laughs> rut row. Rut row. Uh, could be. Now, the other thing could be that this particular story is inaccurate. Who knows? We don't really know. Uh, it's not super important at this point. All we know is he was expelled. Um, and that expulsion caused him to having nervous breakdown. So to recover, he moved to a place called Little Compton, Rhode Island. Wow. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Yeah. And once there, he met and married a woman named Sarah Earle, who nursed him back to health. He started to study theology privately, which always goes great. Uh <laughs> Except Yikes. it doesn't. <laughs> and in 1828, he began working as an itinerant preacher, which we actually covered a few episodes back, where it just means that we covered this on our Seventh-day Adventist episode, where you're a preacher who doesn't necessarily have a specific church, and you kind of preach at multiple different churches. You're not necessarily ordained. You're like a fill-in. Yeah, like a freelance um, preacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a mixtape preacher. Yeah. 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 Oh, speaking of mixtapes, by the way, just as an update, I definitely Googled it, and Little Compton has a SoundCloud page. <laughs> <laughs> this is real. I mean, I'm not I'm not doing a bit. I, I, thought, I thought I knew I what I was going to find, not. and I found it. I know you're not. <laughs> um... Now, That's a shout out for you, Lil Compton. I hope the drop goes well. I wish I could say yeah, I didn't see this coming, but I did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, he mostly preached at the Bound Brook Presbyterian Church in Bound Brook, New Jersey. Uh, but we've talked about this before. There are officially ordained people who have done terrible things. So why would you listen to somebody who didn't even go through an official vetting process before doing terrible things? I'm just always suspicious of lay preachers, personally, I, now. I get it. It's I, I know, After this show, it's hard not to be. I know it's a weird comparison, but to me, I always think of it like a taxi driver versus like just a guy with a bike at Coachella who's like, hop in, everyone. <laughs> yeah, and, and like realistically, not all of them are going to be bad, and you'll probably get to where you're going, or he's terrible yeah. like that's that's the alternative you know because it could be terrible either way your taxi could crash or your bike could crash but like more likely you're gonna get there safely in a taxi that's all i'm saying yeah um now in 1830 graham accepted a position at the philadelphia temperance society so this is something i brought up just a couple minutes ago um but temperance societies were 
almost like social clubs um, and their goal was to like promote healthy living by the standards at the time uh, which somewhat questionable yeah I mean healthy living was also have 17 children yeah. right right and the society practiced clean living but just not clean enough for Graham he would end up leaving only about six months later but he did stay in touch with almost everyone there he took this one step further after joining the society he converted to vegetarianism which was very new at the time yeah in Pretty America, cool. it was you know in America. it was thousands of yeah. years old in India, but in America, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. new at the time, new new at the time for the culture, yes. Um, and he did it in response to the 1829 cholera pandemic. Cool, yeah, it's a pandemic which was breaking out in Europe, and Americans were terrified that it would reach America. And the accepted medical opinion at the time was that the best way to prevent contracting cholera was to eat plenty of meat, drink plenty of wine, and avoid vegetables altogether. <laughs> Those dirty, dirty vegetables. How oh, dare God. they? I love People this diet. <laughs> People also believe that cholera was a plague and a punishment from God. Uh, Put the dye back in diet. Am I right, ladies? <laughs> This was the most American response to a pandemic I'd ever like, even more so than now yeah. for them to be just like, no, 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 steak and booze. Yeah, this is like if when we found out romaine was bad, they were just like, OK, no vegetables, just smoke weed and fucking eat burgers and nothing else. <laughs> now, in reality, cholera is actually spread by drinking contaminated water or eating contaminated food. And the reason that it was spreading so fast was because of the Industrial Revolution. Mm -hmm. One sick person in a factory meant thousands of sick people outside from the food that that sick person touched. So all of that bread that's being manufactured, contaminated. All of the milk that's being harvested, contaminated. All of the wheat that's being harvested, contaminated. So that's what was truly spreading the disease. And Americans were just content to eat meat and drink wine about it. And Graham I mean, thought we, that maybe... Our, our pandemic our solution has not changed not very much. Not at all. If it has we not. ignore the solution as much as possible and continue about living our quote-unquote best life, it'll just go away, right? That's how science works. Absolutely. Um... Now, Graham wasn't sold on that being the cure. Um, and in part, it was because the temperance society that he had joined was not led by ministers, which was most temperance societies were ministers trying to get people to live in a more godly way. But the Philadelphia Temperance Society was led by doctors who were primarily concerned with the effects of alcohol. And they were kind of trying to push for prohibition before prohibition had ever happened. So this is where Graham learned about vegetarianism, specifically from a man named William Metcalf, who was an English minister who had established a vegetarian church in Philadelphia. Hmm. Um, also, William A. Alcott, a Philadelphia doctor who wrote extensively about vegetarianism and is considered one of the forerunners of American vegetarian movements. Um, Graham, at this time, 
taught himself physiology. Always questionable. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's not a thing you want to teach yourself, really. Um, well, I taught I mean, myself I'm, open heart surgery. I can do it now. Yeah. I mean, I've looked at my own parts, and I can pretty much guess what a woman has, so... <laughs> uh, he arrived at his own conclusion that meat was just as much an expression and a suggestion to gluttony as alcohol was. So basically, he believed that both meat and alcohol corrupted the body and the soul of individuals consuming them and then further harmed their families and societies so he basically is rejecting the accepted cure for cholera completely people are just like meat and booze and he's like no both of those are going to kill you and his belief was further influenced by a book called a treatise on physiology by francois joseph victor Brusseis, which was published in philadelphia in 1826 uh, that book claimed that people had basically it was the first book to claim that what people ate influenced their health. That was a radical concept. So they just came up with you are what you eat? Essentially, yes. And he Graham was so interested in the book that he started to write his own writings and studied some German chemists writings. Um Friedrich Acum, uh, a treatise on the adulteration of foods and culinary poisons, where they were denouncing the use of chemical additives in food, especially in bread, yeah. based on mass production. And I want to take a second to say he's not completely wrong about a lot of this stuff. For starters, what you eat does impact your health. We know that. Alcohol consumed regularly can cause a host of issues depending on your body and your health. And chemical additives can definitely cause problems, especially at this time when there is absolutely no oversight into what's going into the food. Lead. Let's do it. That's yeah. food. That's food. That's what makes the sourdough so sour. Yeah. Wheat flour at the time was doctored to hide odors and spoilage because they would have to harvest it and they wouldn't necessarily be able to use everything they had harvested. So they would whiten it sometimes with chemicals, which is also how we get bleached flour today. Um, but bread that was made with finely ground flour, which Graham hated because it was taking off some of the most nutritious parts of the wheat plant, uh, and they would include brewer's yeast, not an actual starter. Um, if you're interested in the stuff that they used to do to food during the Industrial Revolution, I highly recommend Upton Sinclair's The Jungle, but you need a strong stomach. It's pretty gross. Um, so Graham decides to develop his own diet. His diet consisted of bland foods with lots of whole grains, mostly fruits and vegetables, no spices, no meat, no alcohol or tobacco. Even pepper and occasionally salt were banned. This and is whatever, what the rest of the world thinks white people already eat. I don't know if you guys This know is why. This. Yeah, I think this is I think it's his fault. I think that's where the stereotype <laughs> comes from. Whatever foods were eaten or permitted to be eaten were eaten in such small quantities at only about two meals per day. Uh, he also advocated ideas that were radical at the time, uh, like bathing regularly, 
getting fresh air and sunlight, drinking clean water, and wearing comfortable clothing while exercising daily. Weird. Uh, He's a witch. I know. He's a witch. Shocking. His diet suddenly had thousands of devotees that came up with their own name for themselves as a group. Grammites. They would write to Graham testifying that his diet was changing their lives. And this is how we get our first Instagram hose. Yeah, I was going to yes. say, so this happened almost instantly, right? Yeah, pr- I mean, as instant as things can happen via the mail, yes. So then would you say that he was maybe an Instagram influencer? <laughs> yes. Uh People's letters would actually cite recovery from all kinds of physical and mental ailments, uh, from things like nervousness and dizziness and headaches and depression, which, yeah, if you've only been eating steak and getting drunk, it's going to make you feel better to not do that. Well, and just honestly, just taking off the corset is going to help with the dizziness. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Let those ladies fly. Am I right? Yeah, and they had stopped eating processed flour. Yeah. Graham actually developed his own flour and instructions for milling your own flour at home, which would keep a lot of the wheat germ in the flour itself. Now, if you get super into baking bread, people still will mill flour at home sometimes. Mm. It's got a very different flavor. It's a little harder to work with, um, but that still happens, and if you want to get seriously into making bread, people still do it because there are limits to what our processed flour can do. And he is right about our processing flour, our processed flour not having the same nutrients that fresh milled flour would and more coarsely milled flour would. Um, so especially also at this time, they are adding bleach and a bunch of other things to flour like um i had a list hold on um okay uh copper aluminum clay and even chalk were Gross. added to whiten and extend flour so wait, food. wait 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 wait, yeah. wait wait the metal bread was not like you were serious like i said i it was not a joke yes oh my god <laughs> i'm most upset that they're taking good art supplies and putting them in bread <laughs> Now, like other members of the temperance movement, this didn't just stop at food. Graham viewed physical pleasure, especially sexual stimulation, as things that excited <laughs> lust and would lead to behavior that harmed individuals, families, and societies. Essentially, he believed that any real excitement was detrimental to you. Uh-oh. Um, yeah. Okay, now I see where he's gone too far on the other side. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. It started off great. Yeah, he believed that plague and illness were caused by living in ways that ignored natural law. He urged people to remain calm, not to worry or lust or get stressed. He's one of the first people to suggest that getting stressed is harmful for you you health-wise, which, not wrong, but he's taking it to an extreme. Uh, you know what's really stressful? Never having sex. <laughs> yes. That was actually one of the articles I read is so he would list like headaches, manic episodes of things that sex was causing. 
and the doctors were like actually if you just never have sex it could also cause that <laughs> so yeah you yeah. know here here or there we've um, covered pretty extensively a whole group of people who don't have sex ever and they get into some pretty wild stuff well yeah also at the time literally making women women come is considered medicine right yeah. and and not to well here's the other thing too because they don't understand the female reproductive system at all they don't even necessarily consider that masturbation at this time what yes they because that that's them being hysterical and they might need treatments for hysteria and if they would just follow this diet maybe their hysteria would go away but the idea that a women would take pleasure in sex and b self-stimulate was not commonly held as a belief even though clearly it was happening um and this will make sense in a minute or two he really as far as the masturbation thing goes targets men specifically um but he would preach to women about never having sex where he basically said sex was only useful for procreating and it would actively harm you. And he was trying to basically advocate for not even really procreating. I like mean, he wasn't coming out and saying it, but yeah. And I think part of this is that 17 kid thing. Yeah. yeah. It's like My mom was a hot mess. <laughs> yeah. When you're like, well, if you have sex and you become my mom, that's a problem. But it's like, no, you, there's, there's a moderation. You can just have like yes. a couple kids and yeah. you'll be fine. You yeah. can have a little sex as a treat. As a treat. Um, but a apart from masturbation, his biggest target was white flour. Uh, he saw it as a poor substitute for whole wheat. He said that it did not give the teeth or the stomach a proper workout and led to a lazy colon. <laughs> he, and this is an actual quote. Thousands in civic life for years and perhaps as long as they live will eat the most miserable trash that can be imagined in the form of bread and never seem to think that they can possibly have anything better. Not even that it is an evil act to eat such vile stuff as they do. I have thought, therefore, that I could hardly do society a better service than to publish the following treatise on the subject, which, whether people are aware of it or not, in reality, is of very great importance to the health and comfort of everyone. So he develops his own process for making whole wheat flour, which he used for his graham bread, which would later become graham crackers. Yeah. The sexiest bread. Honestly, if he knew that graham crackers would go on to create the sexiest treat, which is s'mores, I yeah. think he would be upset. Yeah. He would be furious with modern yeah. graham crackers because they are delicious. Dude, s'mores, when you, because you make, it's the sexy, because there's literal fire that goes into it. There's some fire. Mm -hmm. There's some melting so together. Exciting. There's some ingredients. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's real sweet oh, yeah. and real sticky. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Oh, it gets yeah. hot in here. Yeah. Sorry, now, I have to go. I'm yeah. thinking too much about <laughs> s'mores. I gotta. Now, taking off. on the bread industry, maybe not the best idea because it literally incited mobs. He was publicly mobbed at a speaking engagement in 1834. For lecturing, will, for lecturing women on the virtues of chastity and bread. 
And then a few years later, in 1837, he was mobbed by butchers and bakers who had collaborated into a mob and considered him bad for their business. That's but actually then, in, yikes. in that mob. That's where they created the modern sandwich. A lot of people don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but then cholera came to America. Dun, dun, dun. And, dun, 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 and guess who survived? Because they weren't eating factory food. Gramites were largely untouched by cholera because they weren't eating anything that could have been like infected with it. But that just means that more people thought that the thing that was keeping them alive was the strict living that Graham had, not the not eating factory food. <laughs> they thought it was like the whole thing. So Graham flour suddenly lined store shelves and was flying out the door. His system of living caused him to build seven male only boarding houses slash compounds where Grahamite meals were served and Graham's precise sleeping, exercising, and bathing regimens were strictly enforced. They even contracted with Oberlin College, who adopted his food for their dining plan in 1838. Three years later, the students protested. A professor was fired for using pepper, and the diet was <laughs> rescinded from the college. White people really do not like spices. Oh. I mean... That poor man. <laughs> but by the late 1830s, he had gotten even too serious for his own followers. And his influence began to wane because people were like, man, do you guys remember steak and booze? Yeah. <laughs> and he had gotten fanatical. And I mean fanatical. He became obsessed with the digestive system. He actually preached about how we needed to control our diets and bodily functions and said that farts could be a form of colic which needed to be treated with medicine. So ideally, he <laughs> wanted people never to fart. I mean, never, ever fart. That's not never good for fart you. ever. It would be a less eating... it would be a less funny world for sure, but it would be a, a much better smelling world. Actually, but remember, they're eating a high fiber diet. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> did you know that not farting is a real medical condition you can have where you can't fart or burp and it can become very dangerous? Hold on. Yeah, hold on, it can hold be on, deadly. Hold on. Hold on. I just farted. Oh, thank you. I just thank you. I'm glad. Right now. I'm he really did. glad we're remote. Yeah, thanks. That was great. I just got a text from Jake that said, "Why did we give the kitten the salmon treats? Salmon? <laughs> salmon treats? His farts are so much worse now." <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you're starting to agree with uh, Graham here. I, to be honest. No, I don't agree with him. I find farts hilarious. They're so funny. Uh, I think I think the hilarity and the relief you feel after farting far outweighs the smell issue. Oh well, yeah, nothing better than a good fart, dude. I've been doing yoga recently and just farting every every day. I love it so much. Mm -hmm. It's like all of the bad stuff in your body just like exiting your asshole. <laughs> Yeah. Like that. Yeah. It's so funny. Beautiful. You guys are beautiful. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. <laughs> now, in 1837, he and a man named David Campbell founded the Graham Journal of Health and Longevity. And it was designed to essentially reach the people that they couldn't reach at their compounds um, and give them 
quote unquote facts and reason and principles of science about human life as taught by Sylvester Graham. Um, five volumes were published. And in 1840, the journal merged with the Library of Health, uh, edited by William Alcott, who was one of the initial vegetarians that Graham met in the Temperance Society. Now, in 1850, Graham, Alcott, William Metcalf, who again was one of the members of the Temperance Society, a man named Russell Trawl, founded the American Vegetarian Society of New York City, modeled on a similar organization in Great Britain. But it wasn't enough for Graham, and he started to be convinced that he just wasn't shitting enough, <laughs> and that his colon was too lazy. Is this jelly juice? What's happening? Just about. Well, the next episode's going to be a lot more jelly juice. Oh, God. Um, but he saw a doctor who first uh, prescribed him meat and booze. <laughs> okay. This world yeah. has gone wild. <laughs> it was really funny. This whole world is like yeast. Yeah. It- in a yeah. controversial move, his medicine was just like uh, a margarita made out of steak. Yeah. Uh, now he and it was to increase increase his blood circulation. I mean, it'll That's make not you what shit. That does. It'll make you shit so much. As a man who lived primarily on booze and meat for a long time, it will make you shit <laughs> so much. Well, he tried it, thinking that he was at the end of his rope and that it was going to be the only option for him to get better. Um, but towards the end, he wasn't feeling better. He was feeling worse because he was mostly eating meat and booze <laughs> after being, yeah, after being a vegetarian for conservatively 30 years. Yeah. yeah that he's will just, fuck with your system. He's just drunk and he has the meat sweats constantly. <laughs> So he and his doctor decided on a course of action for solving the problem, and that was opium enemas. Oh, Whoa. no. <laughs> this is a horrible idea. Or a great Tuesday afternoon. No, Armando, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, a lot of the people who reported his death at the time cited the reason for his death as being switching from vegetarianism to eating meat as opposed to like heroin butt yeah just what it actually was just just totally overdosed on opium through his he butt chugged black tar heroin (laughs) that sounds like a card to get a card against humanity yeah (laughs) just butt chugging black tar heroin yeah yeah uh, but Instead, his inventor of graham cracker who saw it coming no one <laughs> well t- here's the interesting thing so he would make graham crackers for his communes and they would serve them there as like snacks in between your larger meals mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. but they hadn't sold them commercially mm. it was another 30 or so years after his death that they actually sold them commercially but in order to do that they had to mass produce them which meant adding sugar and flavor and all of the things that he would have hated, which is how we ended up with the delicious graham crackers that we have today. Wow. Oh, my God. You know, if you want a sexless cracker, go saltines. <laughs> you know, yeah, for, for real. I would say 
I would say for me, one of the sexiest crackers are wheat thins. I love them mm, so much, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I love a good graham cracker. I always forget to buy them, but I love them. We have so many we have in our so house. So many. I, I'm thinking about it now, and when I think about the visual representation of a s'more, it does remind me of uh, just a butthole filled with opium. I don't know why. <laughs> just that visual. You got a little bit of the poop, the shit, okay. the white oak. I just really like s'mores, and I'm going to need you to stop right there. Two brown <laughs> I just need you to relax. On the s'more opium butt situation. I just want to know, I want to know, because I feel like in order to prescribe anal opium, yeah, it had to have helped someone. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm also thinking, you definitely feel better. I'm also thinking about, <laughs> Maybe. I'm thinking about the actual doctor's appointment where he's like, all right, Sylvester, sit down. Um, All right. So there's two big bombs I'm about to drop on you. The first one is what we're giving you, and the second one is where we're putting it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, suppository, baby. That's why butt chugging is a thing. Yes. Sylvester, as a doctor, I'm going to tell you it's going to make you feel very bad and then very good in that order. <laughs> and now, then very bad again. <laughs> <laughs> because you'll be dead. Um, now, his legacy doesn't end there. I mean, aside from the graham cracker, it lives on because one of his very strict followers of Grahamism was a man named John Harvey Kellogg. And we'll pick up with him. next. Oh, week. My, oh my God. God. Yes. How many cracker based cereals? Wait, <laughs> how many flavorless food groups can we get from these? Sexless people. Oh, my God. So I many. Fucking love so cornflakes. Dude. dude, me too. Me too. Yeah. I I mix them with my frosted flakes so I can get a little bit sweet, but not too much. Do you know how angry? Crazy. Do you know how angry he would be to know that frosted flakes exist? Frosted yeah. flakes are the orgy of breakfast cereals. <laughs> <laughs> well, Fro- it's, actually, like, that's he would fruit shit loops. opium if he found out about. <laughs> Yeah, especially because a lot of people don't know this, but Frosted Flakes, it's actually coated in cum. That's what gives it that sweet flavor. (laughs) Yeah, it is. No, that'd be salty. (laughs) Gross. It's from no, it's tiger cum from uh, uh, no. uh, Tony no. the Tiger. No, 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 no. Oh, no, I, no, I thought, no. thought you were gonna say from Joe Exotic, and I was like, <laughs> that wouldn't be the weirdest thing I've actually, heard about it. Straight up, Joe Exotic breakfast cereal. If you told me that's Frosted Flakes, and that's why we have Tony the Tiger. That would make sense to me. That would make a lot more sense than Tony the Tiger's huge following in the furry community, which we should do uh, a speculation zone on. Please, yes. His why are his shoulders so broad? Why is he so masculine? Why am I attracted to this tiger? Daddy, yeah, he's a fucking straight zaddy, dude. He can. uh, Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and say this. It might be controversial. Out of all of the breakfast cereal mascots, he is definitely the best. The the hottest, sexiest most dick havenest one of the bunch i i mean i've i've never thought of uh mascots as sexy yeah well okay lucky the leprechaun too greedy he only wants to deal with his <laughs> shit he won't make you come uh the tricks rabbit he's wiry and he'll he'll be good for a while but i feel like he'd come too fast he's gonna step out on you yeah but tony the tiger now that dick is great <laughs> <laughs> I did not see that coming, and I should have, but I loved it. Did you know that the guy that voiced Tony the Tiger originally did a lot of the voices for the original animated Grinch? Really? 
Mm-hmm. Oh. Interesting. Them? Yeah, the you're a mean one, Mr. Green. Anyway, that that concludes this week. Uh, next week, we get to talk about uh, Kellogg. Oh, my God. I love this. This was a great episode, start to finish. Yeah. No- I've definitely in my life eaten frosted. F- I've definitely in my life eaten cornflakes after masturbating, like 100%. <laughs> there has been a time in my life where I've like finished and just been like, mm, cornflakes right now. Want it. Here, here's what's terrible. I have Honey Nut Cheerios in my kitchen, and... I can't wait for this to be over. I'm going to have a bowl. Like, that's yeah. all I want right now. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty great. Well, honey, it's just become, right? Isn't everything just come? <laughs> I feel like you're pretty reductive about bees and apiaries and the harvesting of honeys. I don't even know what honey is. Because they also eat it. I, I, I just found out that they make honey, that bees make honey for them to eat, and then we're just stealing their food like the world's well, worst roommates. Yes. They they make it in excess. They they make it to feed their young, potentially, or there's royal jelly to feed their young, and then they make huge stores of honey for winter, but they're never going to use all of it, especially if you're in a climate like California where they can feed on plants and flowers year-round. Not feed, but pollinate. Whatever. Uh, get a hive. Save the bees. Just yeah. Saying. Seize the means of re of bee production. Seize the means of bee production. We, I mean, they need our help. Communism. If I had a yard. <laughs> if I had a yard, I would hardcore have a hive. I, I, I am very weirdly passionate about it. I cannot wait for Paige's compound. This is literally <laughs> my, my dream. compound's going to be so great. I'm going to have a hive. I'm going to have chickens. And I'm going to grow so many heirloom tomatoes. No cucumbers, though, huh? Fucking fuck. <laughs> well, if I can get them close enough to the bees, maybe. Because they like, I get the little starts of the fruits, and I'm just like, oh, this is going to be such a good cucumber. I'm so excited. And then they were just shriveling. So I was like doing research, and they're like, it means they're not pl- pollinated. So I bought. First of all, I tried with a paintbrush and I was hand pollinating and that didn't work. So I bought a vibrating pollinator that you like stick in the flowers and that hasn't worked either. And I'm You bought a fucking flower upset. dildo and it didn't yeah. work. <laughs> My flower dildo isn't getting anyone off and I have no pickles to show for it. I do have some really, really pretty heirloom tomatoes though. <laughs> This is the best fucking day of my life. <laughs> How much was that flower dildo, though? It was only like 10 bucks. <laughs> Maybe I should have gotten a better one with like a clit stimulator or oh, something. Because like, it's just not. It's got a little bee on the end of it. Oh, it's a flower God. rabbit. It's a flower rabbit. Oh, man. Uh, this has been such an amazing episode. Um, it's the G-spot for gherkin. <laughs> For, oh my gherkin uh there's a lot of truth in some of this i will say that uh the past few weeks have been very difficult for me and i've switched to a mostly like uh what did my mom call it plant-based not vegetarian but plant-based he's reduced diet his amount of animal product intake by a significant amount including milk and dairy which he is lactose intolerant so that might be helping <laughs> yeah 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 it's, it's well it's, it's, this is we used to have to budget time for you to ship before episodes and no, we didn't have to do that we, today, okay so. a normal <laughs> podcast would budget time for people to shit we had to budget time for just straight up diarrhea like just <laughs> deathly 
awful like we don't know if armando's gonna make it to the episode <laughs> diarrhea yeah and now i just feel better i've cut out alcohol i haven't i haven't had any uh alcohol no caffeine no nicotine uh no, no weed, weed which is a big one yeah um although again that might change i might start smoking weed on the weekends like a dad with craft beer the weedkins yeah you need to wait till you have a garage so you can do it apart from your family and question where things went wrong yes exactly yeah you need a man cave <laughs> in our studio apartment it's yeah, the closet it's just the closet <laughs> I don't know. Armando spends a lot of time in the closet. He has a Billy the Bass for some reason. <laughs> and it just keeps saying 42069 over and over again. Oh my and he God. said he was going to go pollinate the cucumbers, but I hear a lot of buzzing. I don't see a lot of fruits. <laughs> What I was trying to say, though, is I do feel so much better, and uh, I will probably be getting some cornflakes this week because now I hella yeah, want cornflakes. Yeah, now corn I want flakes. frosted flakes <laughs> and ham crackers. Dude. Cereal Damn. sounds great. <laughs> Damn, yeah. I want ram so crackers so I think bad. This is, this is one of those facts that like a lot of people have it uh, kind of in the back of their mind. Or, or let me start over. This is one of those fun facts that like a lot of people know in passing, like, oh, the guy who invented graham crackers really hated jerking it. Or like, oh, the people who invented Kellogg had some wild ideas. But I don't think people had the full extensive knowledge behind it. And I'm so <laughs> glad that A, you've shared it with us, and B, that whole history on bread was just amazing. That was and I so good. It. Especially considering how many people are baking right now and baking yeah. their own bread and how many Karen's are mad that they can't be the only ones <laughs> baking bread. <laughs> oh, I know. Well, here's something interesting to note, especially if you're baking bread right now. Um, the whole idea that mass production of bread is bad is still true. Um, there are going to be a lot more additives and things in the bread that you buy at the store that are not going to be in the bread that you just make in your house. And that can actually affect your ability to digest that bread. So I was able to bake during quarantine. Uh, I haven't been baking recently because it's just too fucking hot to have the oven at 500 degrees. Bet um, we feel you. But I was baking for a friend who has a severe gluten intolerance and she was actually able to eat the bread that I was baking with wild yeast and can't eat any store-bought bread. But she didn't have any side effects when she ate mine. That's amazing. Yeah. So that's actually a thing. I mean, obviously, celiac disease still exists. So this isn't going to, you know, it's not for everybody. But yeah. sometimes if you have a sensitivity to gluten, homemade bread or bread made with wild yeast with a, a limited amount of ingredients, you may actually be able to eat. And it has a lower glycemic index as well. So, also, just know. straight up tastes fucking amazing. It's like, so yeah, good. it's just so much better. Paige has been Paige at the beginning of the of everything was like, "Hey, do you guys want homemade challah bread?" And I was like, "Yeah, you fucking just shove it, just ship it right to my mouth." Paige, Paige was like a a magical stork delivering baby bread. Yeah, just dropping up lasagnas so hot, and bread. I still would be. <laughs> yeah, I'm, well, I'm, I'm working on cheese, but it takes longer. So. Oh yeah, uh, I I'm you're yeah. By the end of this, Paige is gonna have her own restaurant of just Paige made things. See, I'm just going for like solid compound with a great storeroom, so that when the zombie apocalypse comes and like eventually you guys make it to my compound for safety, I'll be like, cool. So I've got the cheese plate over here. <laughs> uh, we're doing grilled cheese. Uh, I've got tomato soup. 
from the heirloom tomatoes. I just assume that that Jake will be the one on the firearms part of this compound, considering yes. he's from Texas. Yeah, and we and don't even mean guns. He just guns. fucking has great firearms. <laughs> firearms. Mm. Yeah. Yes. I'm in mm-hmm. love with your husband, and it's upsetting <laughs> sometimes. Uh, it was it was really funny talking to Mikey from Horror Virgin this week. He's like, I feel like you, your husband, and I would get along great. And I was like, Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Just the communal husband. Jake's he's, a great time. He's all yeah. of our husband. Yes. In, yep, this, yep. in these trying times. This episode, just like every episode, is brought to you by Tony the Tiger. Not not Frosted Flakes. Tony the Tiger. Uh, he's <laughs> Personally. Here, he's here delivering to tell you it to you. He's single and ready to mingle. One of his balls is just full of podcasts. <laughs> the other one is full of that sweet, sweet cum. Anyway. Um, wow. Okay. Great transition. I, I think you mean frosting. Yes, I did. You can frost me anytime. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, you know what, though? Thickest, girthiest boy in the game, Toucan Sam. That is, I without a doubt. I fucking love a, uh, I love a thick boy, and I love me some Fruit Loops, as mm. did... Uh, the late Dennis the Wondercat, R.I.P. Eating Fruit Loops in Heaven. I love you, Dennis. I love you, Dennis, so much. Um, damn. On that. On that, on that no. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to bring it down. No, 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 no. Celebration of life. Yeah. We speaking all... of tiger cats, I speaking get it. Speaking of tiger cats, uh, <laughs> our episode is actually brought to you by our wonderful, amazing Patreon donors. <laughs> This week's episode is brought to you in part by Emily Sweat. Um, yep. Gonna make you sweat, <laughs> Emily. Uh, Emily says, hi, Armando and Paige and Andrea. I'm Emily Sweat, pronounced Sweat. He he. Yes, I have some <laughs> amazing nicknames. I love the show so much, and we are already friends in my head in totally chill, not scary, I only have a few spiders in my brain kind of way. (laughs) A few is still too many. (laughs) Thanks for making me laugh through the struggles of Colts and getting a useless music degree. Yeah, (laughs) baby. Oh, man. Oh. oh, you're talking to a, a a gang with an art degree, a film degree, and then uh, no degree. <laughs> um, I I was gonna say a degree from the school of hard knocks. Yeah, I do. I have my my fucking high school diploma is hanging up, and the other day I saw something on it and was like, "What is that?" It was a piece of weed because I used to use it as a <laughs> rolling tray. <laughs> 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 so that's you know some degrees are more useless than others I guess. well i've never used my art degree for anything so at least you got more use out of that baby i oh, will man. say that uh for anyone who implies that we are friends we are almost definitely friends if you interact with us i mean this is this is i i love doing this show i love doing it with y'all and i love uh everyone who listens to the show is so amazing and we're all friends and i love all of you Except for Gregory Thomas. If you're out there, if that's, first of all, if that's a real person, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. No, Armando. Let us know. If that's actually you, message us, because that's hilarious. <laughs> if your name is actually Gregory Thomas, message me, and I will send you a personal gift. But and if, if you're not, fuck you, Gregory Thomas. <laughs> Use that as your ringtone. 
Um, yeah, I think for this episode, I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to flip it on the opposite. Which foods are the most sexy? Like, if these foods are supposed to (laughs) stop you from jerking it, which which food is the one where it's like, oh, man, every time I see kumquats, I just want to squat and come, you know? Like, what is (laughs) the sexiest food? Eggplants, donuts. Mm. Mm. Eggplants and donuts are both pretty good. Peaches. Hello. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Damn. Peaches. All Peach fruit, emoji though. for days. Cantaloupes. Ooh. That one's fun. Because they kind of look like... like titties, or you could warm them up in the microwave and like <laughs> squish, squish. Or you could slice them in half and put them over your real boobs to increase your melons. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. It's also, it has the added bonus of you know it's just a fling because you literally can't elope. So it's amazing. It's <laughs> hey. Hey. Very casual. Um, you can go ahead and send me more to uh, Instagram and Twitter, which is at Mondo Does Stuff. That is M-A-N-D-O Does Stuff. Hey, guys. Uh, if you want to send me your sexiest breakfast cereal, you can send that to me on all the things at Sundress Comic or check out my art on Instagram at Andrea Gazetta. Uh, I got some pretty cool stuff going on there, so go check it out. Um. Thank you to all of you who sent art of Dennis and donations to the local humane societies for Dennis. That's very wonderful. Thank you so much. Uh, We did find him as an abandoned kitten, so that is the perfect, perfect way to honor him, I think. Um, I would say I want to know what other things you should put up your butt to cure your meat sweats. (laughs) (laughs) You can let me know at Paige Wesley on Twitter or at Rampage Wesley on Instagram. I've been shoving marijuana up there and it is doing nothing for me, by the way. <laughs> this explains so much. Yeah, it just gives me very skunky shit. I was going to say, your farts are a problem. <laughs> just wafting over skunk scented weed. Um, if you like our show, you could follow us on Instagram at Colt Podcast. Or on Twitter at Cult Podcast Show. You can also send us an email to cultpodcastshow at gmail.com. Or if you want to send us uh, a description of farts in your relationship or like graham crackers, if you want to send us graham crackers, <laughs> you can send them to 3756 West Avenue 40, Sweet K, number 237. Like, like the Shining. shining. Los Angeles, California, 90065. Um, I also want to say before we go, if you have, ugh. I also want to say before we go, uh, there is a podcast through uh, Rooster Teeth. It's an amazing podcast called Good Morning from Hell. And Paige and I were guests on their episode last week. It is called The Cult of Clayton. It's so funny. It's, it's so, so good. Fucking funny. They did a great job. You guys did great. I'm so proud of both of you. Paige and I Thank improvise you. as uh, fictitious cult leaders that never existed. And we, uh, I kind of uh, take on like an American druggie-based kind of cult leader i went like og bacchanalian with it yeah. i had a fucking blast so fucking fu- oh so my funny. god base <laughs> character <laughs> is the, uh, i don't want to ruin it by telling you what happens but just if you haven't checked that out good morning from hell you can find it uh wherever you listen to podcasts and that episode is called the cult of clayton 
so fun. Very, very fun. You don't have to listen to the rest to get it, but you definitely should because that podcast is bonkers fun. And I think for this one, I'm going to say don't just eat meat and drink booze. (laughs) Yeah, that was the beginning of coronavirus quarantine. I hope this is someone's wake up call where they're like, wait, what? I I shouldn't be avoiding vegetables. Uh, And don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye. Bye.